Because you know why? Why? Because it feels right. It feels right. Legendary. I mean, that makes sense. Okay, so we're we're off. We're off. Um, finally, we've had uh, we've had a few technical difficulties, but but we're we're here. We're doing it. We're doing it remote. Which you yes, know sir. I don't always like, but I feel like with you and I, we can make it happen. But um, ideally, these are done in person, right? But that just means you have to come to Hawaii. Well, yeah, no, I think I think uh, the. Uh, what we're trying to say here is everything feels right, but it does feel a little more right when we're in person. So, uh, and if that means traveling to Hawaii, then I might just have to uh, do that. Which you actually are going to do in December. Yes, December tenth through the eighteenth, I believe. And you're you're in hey, Kauai. Hey, hey, right? hey, 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 hey! Be careful with your exact travel dates and arrangements. People are going to be people are going to be like meeting you at the airport, coming to see Adam Stone. Careful, uh, uh, careful. I'm, think that's probably a risk I'm willing to take uh, <laughs> <laughs> by saying that on the air. Uh, I, I think I'm probably you're just safe. given your your moment to moment movements. You got to be real careful with that stuff in pro pickleball. Yeah, for sure. And, oh, and by the way, Robert, uh, I don't believe that we can play Prescott. That was going to be after so Casa, Casa Grande and then Prescott and yeah. uh, December. And is that how you say a... it? Prescott? I'm pretty sure that's how the locals say it. So maybe someone can, you know, Yeah, I mean, I, I said it Prescott at first and then I heard locals say Prescott. And so I've been saying it Prescott ever since. Weird. You know, the, the city you're from originally. Um, uh, like what, what city is the that? city um, in Texas that you're from originally? Oh, Houston. Yeah. So, you know, Georgia, the state of Georgia has a County in it and mm-hmm. guess how they say it. Houston, how Houston, and it's spelled the same way. So Houston is spelled exactly the same way. I'm like, could you be any more Georgia by saying Houston? Like, that's your, that's your more redneck than that. Hey, let's just call that Houston. Like, what? What? So, where where were you born in Georgia? I know you're a Georgia boy. I was born in Augusta. You know, home of the home of the home of the Masters. Home of the Masters. But that's not like a. It's not like a. It's not like a good thing because. Augusta is gorgeous at Augusta National. Outside of Augusta National, <laughs> it's hood. It's yeah, not. It's sure. not great. It's not great. Yeah, uh, that's that's how I think of uh, uh, Baylor University. My sister went there, Waco, Texas, and private school, right? Oh. Yeah, Baylor, beautiful campus is great, but it is it's you its own outside. city. It's it's its own city within the city. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I went to uh, I went to Samford University my freshman year. Not 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 like also private school. Like probably the most beautiful campus I've ever seen. Like the landscaping is just unreal. Um, and Birmingham, like it's in Homewood, so it's not super hood, but it's there's definitely stark contrast from all these private schools. Then you go outside the walls, and it's like oh, oh sure, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not the same oh, for sure. Uh, they they had a run in something. Are they good at a sport? Samford uh, basketball was it the NCAA tournament or something? I feel like I've seen that name somewhere. Mm, I, I have no idea. I okay, no idea. fair enough. Fair, but I do like here. to say, you know, I went to Samford, and they're like, yeah, there you go. Oh, Stanford, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, okay, so uh, Robert, what's on the agenda today? We like to keep it light without many. Uh, much structure, but uh, what, what's on the agenda? There's got to be something. 
Well, let's let's first off welcome everybody for being being listening, listening being a part of being a part joining of. us on the It Feels Right podcast. <laughs> dare I say the number one pickleball podcast in the world? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, that's quite a dare, but uh, let's let's roll with it. Yes. <laughs> All right, that's how I'm going to intro every episode. <laughs> dare should. I say you, you, the number you one should. pickleball podcast in the world? That's not much of a dare, but I, I like it. <laughs> Uh, so today we're, I mean, we can go over a lot of stuff. Tournament champions just happened, TOC and uh, Brigham City, Utah. Um, we were just talking about that. And that used to be considered one of the quote unquote majors in pickleball. And um, I think after last year, last year was my first time playing it. And I was like, you know, Brigham's this, this, this place is in the middle of nowhere. There's no really like amenities, restaurants, anything out there. It's, it's what is it, like an hour, over an hour from Salt Lake North. Oh, and... correct. So, so they actually used to have the tournament in Ogden and they moved okay. it to Brigham City several years ago. So Ogden is still pretty connected to, uh, to Salt Lake geographically and whatever. And Brigham is definitely its own place. Uh, and it's, I think it is a little bit over an hour North of Salt Lake. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it, it is beautiful, right? It's like, well, you know, all things considered, it's, you got a nice mountainous backdrop. It's, it's nice. Um, but it's just, it's, it's a pain in the ass to get to and, and all that. And I, I remember last year, like the, the buzz from players, I didn't play this year, but last year, and I don't, you didn't play this year either, but last year it was, why do we come to this tournament? We're not going to come back to this. This is like, it's not fun. It's it used to be good, but now it's nothing. Um, and then I think even heard some rumblings from the PPA squad of like, you know, we're thinking about and this is last year. We're thinking about um, partnering with TOC. Should we do that? And I think the, you know the player consensus was like, no, we don't want to come back here. Why would you do that? So would i so I, I think ppa kind of like kind of saved toc in a sense right because i i think if toc is not affiliated with the ppa or any of the tours that most players would not have opted to play it uh yeah no for sure so uh th there's just something about even if it's just an hour an hour and a half uh, playing all these tournaments flying somewhere and then having to drive once you get there it's the same thing with saint george beautiful place love saint george but it's it, it, that's a two-hour drive from vegas uh so well, stop uh, stop being ridiculous and flying to saint george uh yeah i know that's right that's right so that <laughs> just that makes pay an extra seven hundred dollars on <laughs> yeah, right right yeah so no there there's no question about that that there was some rumblings of that uh uh obviously three four years ago you, you didn't have the options that you do now in terms of tournament play and, and how many tournaments there are you just kind of had to roll with what was available so uh uh the fact that there's so many options a little bit more difficult to get to brigham city not a thriving metropolis that's for sure uh <laughs> I, they, they do have a nice uh, chinese buffet but there's not a whole lot of options especially uh, if there's a rain delay or you get done with your make a deep run in a bracket, you might not be able to get a good dinner. You might have to go to Taco Bell or something like that. So uh, uh, definitely it's uh, Brigham City a little disconnected uh, from uh, a main uh, center, main area, main city. So uh, there's 
there, there's some things not to like uh, from that regard, but the, the history uh, of the tournament, uh, they have a great tournament director in Kyle Klein. There's, there's a really nice vibe there. Uh, they're accommodating to the players. You, you can usually get some housing. The, the community helps a lot. Uh, and so that's, that's much appreciated. And, and, you know, it was one of the bigger, one of the first, if not the first uh, prize money tournaments uh, from John Gola, Golo, I believe, G-U-L-L-O is how you say it. So, uh, yeah, so it, it's it's a it's a contrast because uh, I remember Mills, legend of the game, Mills Miller, uh, you know, was I, I had mentioned that I might take it off my schedule after last year. And, you know, he was like, oh, you got to play TOC. You know, it means so much. Uh, there's so much uh, prestige and wh- whatever, whatever else that goes along with it. So uh, it, I was a little torn on whether to play or not. But uh, you do you know, believe that's kind- still the case? Uh, less for sure. Uh, I mean, I think it was a similar situation. If some of the more old school players remember, uh, uh, the grand Canyon state games, uh, early on, there was a grand Canyon state games tournament and there was a lot of prestige with it. Uh, a lot, almost all of the top pros played. this was five or six years ago. And then it just kind of faded. And I kind of think tournament of champions is probably in a similar, similar stage to that tournament. Uh, but it's got PPA on its side, which is right. You know, so right. it loses the prestige, maybe, and and it's. I don't. Is it a major within there, like? It, is, it, it was the third major. Uh, but is, is it what, now in terms of tours. like how the tours structure their points? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is it considered a major I, now or a Grand Slam? That's a great question. I know New. What's York. crazy, Adam, is that we yes. don't know whether or not that tournament's a Grand Slam. <laughs> <laughs> We yeah, are that, pro players that, that don't know what the Grand Slam is, which sure, like, which goes back to kind of like this rant I went on about like we're trying to emulate these tennis tours, but there's no history or prestige unless unless we went to like unless truly it was like U.S. Open Nationals TOC and maybe one other Grand Slam that one other event that we make a Grand Slam, but if we were going to use kind of tennis as the as the guiding as a guidepost of what to do with pickleball tours like toc us open and nationals and one other should be the grand slams right you can't you can't come in as a new tour and just say oh atlanta ppa but this is going to be a grand slam yet there's no like there's no history or prestige or like any understanding that it's even a grand slam so um yeah i don't i it's hard. It's yeah. It's hard to see where it's going to go, but I I don't like the idea of trying to create everything from scratch and try to build prestige without there being any history behind it. You know what I mean? Uh, no, I no, I totally get that, and I I think as of right now, in term uh, in terms of the the point structure, uh, I think it's World Pickleball Rankings. I believe that's right that the APP uses, but it's uh, U.S. Open Nationals, the New York tournament the Vegas PPA championships. And I think there might be one more, but I'm not positive on that. And those are the the biggest point tournaments considered, yeah. considered the majors. Say that again, prof Atlanta and the Atlanta PPA. There you go. So uh, prof chiming in uh, from the peanut gallery as she likes to do. Prof. Once we get once we get your setup, <laughs> we can have all, we can have all three of us on here and we'll just really go at it. Prof yeah, and I can I talk about your day-to-day issues and what's going on in your life and what you need to work on to improve as a person. Jesus. <laughs> she just got a, a freaking dry erase board for the for the kitchen. And she has like she has a regular 
calendar with specific things for both of us on each of the days. And then she has on the right side, there's just a list that says Adams chores. Is it chores? What does it say, Prof? Oh, it's my to-do list. It's my to-do list. Your chores. She does. She does not have it. it She does not have a to-do list, but I do. So uh, (laughs) I find I find that very interesting, and it's going to be a it's going to be a while before all three of us are on this pod because I I don't like being that third wheel. (laughs) We just like lifting you up. Yeah, that's exactly what you guys do. (laughs) Lift me up, Robert. I'll tell you what. It does not feel right. Feel like that. (laughs) <laughs> all right let's uh, talk okay, poc so what, results okay yeah okay i got my trusty little ipad here we're gonna go through uh some of the draws here what do i have pulled up first oh we have pro women singles so uh first off robert we have two uh somewhat interesting pullouts we have anna bright and callie smith both pulling out of the women's pro singles draw uh, I just, what? I, I just, <laughs> you sorry, what? my, my, my 14 year old self is laughing at pullouts. Yeah. I, I don't, what, what's the, what, what's the deal? You're with, still not, uh, you're, you're still not catching me. No, 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 no. Continue. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's do that. Uh, uh, so what, what do you know exactly how it works in terms of, when the tournament finds out you pull it, you pull out in the in the redoing of a draw based based on that. Do you do you have any idea how that works? Because I find this happening a lot. I'm someone who's had to pull out multiple times for physical issues or whatever. Yeah, and you I have. always <laughs> so I always try to let the T D know, tournament director know as soon as possible. But it seems like a lot of times the draw stays the same. They have a they have a withdrawal will, and it, th- and it you throws still be in the draw. The, the seedings. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I won't. So I oh, you won't be in the draw. I, so so if I tell them at like say three or four PM the previous day, they used to be able to switch it. And I feel like maybe the last time or two that I did pull out, uh, they weren't able to I, I don't know. So I, I, I should probably know that, but I do not. So because it really messes up the draw with the seedings and everything when when a highly ranked player pulls out and and they still play the draw as is as opposed to starting a, a fresh draw so yeah i i don't understand why it's like why that's such a challenge right it's like the draw should like be, a, i've seen draws adjusted morning of sometimes um there's a there's a tournament i don't remember it was mixed it was mixed in it was at newport at some point but we okay. were playing our first round match. Um, it was me. Oh, it was Megan. Megan Sheehan Dizon. And it was like our first, it was like maybe her first tournament ever. We were supposed to play, I think, Brasha and Kohler. And we were on oh, court. Dude. And we're like, dude, we're like deep into the first game. It's like 8-8 or something. And then, um, oh, and then I think Connor or like Pardo or Ogden comes over. And it's like, oh, we need to bring you guys in. The draws adjusted. I'm like, we're in the middle oh. of playing our first round match. What do you mean the draws adjusted? And then like we had a different first round opponent. Like they changed the draw after we had already started our first round match. No. Oh yeah, dude. This oh yeah. This is real. This is this real. Is huh? real. Oh, oh wow. This is a okay. PPA. This is real. Um so yeah, I, I I don't know. And that was it was the exact same reason. Somebody had somebody had pulled out morning of it affected the seedings and then 
they um, yeah they adjusted it that that moment. So what what do you feel like is the correct answer? Like adjust oh, no, adjust it, it, draws and brackets up to like let's call it midnight the night before. Yes, I I, th- I think for sure. Uh, you know, obviously, like morning of it gets dicey, uh, even if it is whatever, uh, nine or 10 AM start. And, and you, it, it's hard to adjust it at that point, but there has to be, there, I think there has to be a cutoff, uh, the night before where if the tournament director gets that information, they have, they have to put a fresh draw. And I mean, we're talking about Callie Smith and Anna bright here. I mean, that that's, yeah. I don't know what their exact seeds, but those are two very much contenders in the women's singles draw. That's obviously going to affect a lot of what's happening if those two aren't playing. And uh, as we see, so what in happened draw, in this draw? They 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 were listed in the draw, and then just they had walkovers for their opponents. Yeah, yeah. So uh, wa- uh, blue Pegasus blue Pegasus Washington advanced because Cali pulled out, uh, and then and then played uh, Irina next round, and then there was Ali Phillips, who I think actually is a local uh, kind of younger girl, maybe like around twenty years old or so. Uh, and she got a she got a walkover as well. So Anna Bright was the six seed. Callie Smith was the four seed. So I think you have to, if you know that information, you have to put out a fresh draw with yeah. with, with that. I mean, even if it, even if they're not even seated that high, uh, this is an example of they are seated that high. So for sure, but I think you need to do it either way. And singles was on. Uh, so this tournament's it's Utah. So they they did championship Saturday, right? So singles started on Wednesday. And then mix Thursday, gender Friday, championship Saturday, Saturday. Right. Um, so singles is the first event of the tournament. Those are you said it was Callie Smith and who? Callie Smith and Anna Bright. Okay, so Callie Smith, contracted player. Um, I feel like there's no reason they sh- they sh- like it should be a surprise that she's not playing unless she just literally didn't tell anybody, which I that seems unlikely. Sure. Um, so it seems like they would they would have that information. It's not like Anna and Callie just didn't show up Wednesday morning, right? Uh, yeah, no, abs- absolutely. I mean, I can't. I mean, I can't imagine that's that's, the case. that's possible, but I, I can't imagine that's the case either. So, uh, totally agree with that. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to look here and see it, see what it affects. So, if you take Callie out as the four seed, that puts Irina in the four seed, and you take. Anna Bright out. So, so that, that changes everything. So that goes from Salome Davidze playing Parento to being up in the top half, uh, playing Irina in the four five matchup and the winner of that plays Annalise. So, I mean, this, these are huge, huge That's things a, yeah. that are, that are affected by, by the, by the draw. So, uh, let's see here. Yeah. So, uh, Salome Davidze, uh, I mean, she's obviously legit, so she's, she's uh, good, kind yeah. of, yeah, she's kind of fresh, but her ground strokes are ridiculously good. And, uh, to move her to a different half of the draw uh, is obviously a, a huge factor in the in the whole tournament. So uh, definitely. And she's, so, yeah. Unfortunately, I was watching uh, not all, but in and out throughout the throughout the days, uh, relaxing and doing some. You freaking, relaxing? Some some rehab of uh, calf raises of some sort. Jesus, you weren't lying. Doing a thousand reps is difficult. Are you uh, doing a ton? Yeah, I'm doing a ton. So uh, it's time consuming. Time consuming. Anyway, so I watched a lot of the the, the pickleball, and unfortunately, there is some uh, very funny chat, but uh, kind of ruthless chat as well. So they were they were not happy with uh, line Salome, calls. The yeah. line calls. They they were not happy with it, and I think that there was an issue in the previous tournament 
with uh, Georgia Johnson. And I think uh, Mama Bear Julie Johnson might have had some words uh, from the back of the court to to while while she was playing Georgia. So unfortunate well, kinda, to see kinda, that, but it is. But I kind of like I kind of like that about pickleball in terms of um, like that shit runs rampant in like tennis, you know, like oh, yeah. you can do it and you can get away with it and you can keep doing it and people just don't care. But like, we've talked about this a lot, like all in all pickleball, most, most people in pickleball and pro pickleball are super fair. Like they call lines cleanly, um, give the benefit of the doubt. They don't, there aren't many blatant hooks. There's some, but there's not many. And the fact that like somebody's coming in and like doing some blatant hooks, in my opinion, like, like it's, it's some of them aren't even like close. Right. So for, for, I think for people to defend, like to come in and like say, that's not okay. And to actually throw, you know, throw a fuss about it is good because it's hopefully going to deter that behavior. And honestly, like with all the live streaming, it's like, you have nowhere to hide anymore. You yeah. can't, you can't make these calls and expect zero repercussions. Like people can see it and people, people aren't, people don't like people that cheat. So uh, no, no, for sure. I totally agree with you uh, that it runs rampant in tennis. And there's just so many, even like high level tennis tournaments where you don't have a, a referee per court and you're on the side courts, just ripping people. Or, or if there is, is a chaired umpire, you can always, you know, take one on the far yeah. sideline or whatever. So, uh, uh, it's tough to see a couple of these calls happening with the two ref system too, which is and, you know kind of kind of crazy. Uh, what what one ref is in a very tough spot because they're looking at feet and kitchen, it's and it's almost impossible. But to have two refs where one isn't even focused, their main priority be the kitchen, and to see that these calls happen and not be overruled is a little frustrating for sure. I've said it a million times. We need a like, well, one even for even for foot faults, the refs are in a bad spot to actually be able to see them, especially like if, if let's say I'm on the near side and somebody's earning on my side, I can't see the back of their foot on the inside of the line. You know, it's, sure. it's completely shielded. You can't see it. Sure. Um, like, I think, I think we have to have chair umpires. We have to give them a better look from, from higher up to where you can actually look down on a lot of the stuff and have a clear view, especially for line calls, like a ref standing at just, normal height it's it's so hard to see line calls especially on the far side of the court when you're that low um the angle is just not good enough to be able to determine whether it was in or out so i think i think chair umpires is still a thing i, I know it creates a lot of logistics uh issues getting chairs everywhere but most of these facilities are tennis facilities they probably sure. have chairs like available um one thing that i saw at the at toc that i think is a a little bit of a scary precedent to set. Um, I believe it was with Leia. I, I think it was TOC. I just remember seeing this match. It was with Leia, Jansen, and I think Salome. Mm -hmm. And I think Leia called, like she requested line judges. Oh yeah, I saw that. That's okay. exactly, it, it was TOC and they came out before the match even started and had four line judges from the request from Leia from a previous match. Uh, so I believe. I believe it was... Catherine on an outer court having issues with Salome and Leia and Catherine, I believe, are partners. So I think Catherine, uh, I, I this is speculation, probably told Leia she had issues, and then Leia went into that match with uh, line judges there. So go continue, yeah. continue, go ahead. 
Yeah. So I didn't, okay. I, one, I didn't realize it was before the match. I thought it was, I thought it happened mid match, but regardless, a player requesting line judges is a little bit of a scary precedent to set in terms of like, when do you say yes? When do you say no? Do you do it situationally based on who that person's playing and their reputation? Like that's a, it's very subjective, right? It's like, okay, so now you, you accept that request from Leia, but are you going to accept that request from me if I want a line judge for my pro singles match? You know, it's, it's, it's just like a weird thing to do. And usually what surprised me the most was that like, you had lot, like, I think you said what four, like they were on each line. Uh, I Which believe it usually, was, I believe it was four total. Yes. Yeah. Usually, usually you'll have like okay, an extra set of eyes. So you have instead of you know you'll have somebody just watching lines. You won't have right. actual line judges lining up when you don't have when that's not like what pro matches do. Like you don't have that. So I, it, that just felt that just felt strange to me and a little probably uh, I don't know preferential treatment to the to PPA players, which you know. I get it. They're signed PPA players and you want to, you want to protect them and give them, you know, every kind of benefit. But at the same time, I feel like these tournaments, you you have to, you have to be equal opportunity. And it's just a weird president to set when, you know, they probably wouldn't have accepted that request if let's say Salome did it and wanted the request for, for Leia, you know what sure. I mean? There's just, there, there just can't, I mean, we've seen it from MLP. There just cannot be gray area. If there, no. if there, if there is any form of gray area, there's going to be some form of uproar or someone's going to take advantage or, uh, they're gonna, yeah, try, try to find that little loophole and make it bigger. So, uh, yeah. it's gray area is just unacceptable. So there, there, there just has to be something black and white on paper about, I mean, and that's, and it's a delicate with the line calls, like what, what exactly, how do you make that black and white? Well, I thought you know, that's what the challenge system was for. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, uh, yeah, it, it is interesting that you bring that up. I had totally forgot about that, that that happened. And I, I actually think it's interesting that it happened pre-match as well. Uh, it, it was not during. If yeah. I could I could be wrong about this. Uh, like I said, I was in and out watching throughout the day. But uh, I, I do believe it was pre-match. And I think that that is pretty interesting, actually. No, it is. It is. Because, yeah, like, again, president set. Go request your line judges, people, before the match. They have to grant it. Yeah, yeah, right. There you go. Oh, but don't don't start this, Rob. Come on, man. Come on. You 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 need a you need a month or two off from any form of drama or any form of uh, yes. any form of rules issues. Okay, so uh, yes, I do. I do. I need yes. a break. Okay, so that but I can that egg was, other people on. You know, it's fine. Fair enough. All right, yeah. I'll give you that. Okay, so that was man. That was just women singles. Let's 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 scratch that and we'll move over to. Pro men's singles. Well, Anna Lee won, right? Um, that's yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I, I just exited out. Anna who, Lee won. Who did she beat in the best uh, of five? She 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 beat Leia, and it was in three games, and okay. it was in three. Pretty games, routine. Yes. Uh, pretty routine. Three games. Yeah, three out of five. Three out of five. So, uh, three games was not the split. So we got yep, the yep, fellas yep. here, and I would guess that the big uh, uh, the big kind of not, but maybe not totally surprising, but definitely a little surprising is Hunter Johnson had a nice run. He beat Tyson McGuffin in the second round and yeah. ended up coming all the way back through after losing to uh, Baby Dill in the quarterfinals. He came all the way back through to get a bronze medal. So he had a big, Very nice. big, big win in the second round and then came all the way back through. And I'll check it out here, but I have no doubt if he came all the way back through to get bronze after 
losing in the quarters. He beat some players. (laughs) Who who did he take down in the bronze match? Jocelyn? Is that right? Okay, so let's see here. So he beat Ryan Sherry, 15-10. That's a good one. He beat Staxrude, 15-11. That's legit. And then he beat uh, Jay Delivers, uh, (laughs) 11-0 in the third. So wow. uh, it went three in the bronze medal batch, but he won 11-0 in the third. So that's that's big-time stuff from Hunter. Uh, I know he's had a couple solid wins and doubles and singles, but never yeah. really translated that to, to hardware. Yeah, he beat, uh, he beat J-Dub, right, like earlier? Like in a APP somewhere. I, th- I think I think that might be right. I think that yeah. might be right. So uh, so you so knew this, the talent was there, but this is a good breakthrough for him. Right. So not only did he beat a couple quality players, he also got some hardware as well. So that's a great job by Hunter, uh, no doubt about it. I commentated a couple of his matches uh, on the singles day, so it was cool to see. Uh, and yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you beat you beat Sherry and you beat Stacksrud and then you beat Delivers back to back to back. It's that's pretty legit. Yeah, and that's this is you know kind of a testament to the like Hunter and Yates twins. I believe they're twins. Yes, they are. Uh, yeah, so good, like decently highly ranked doubles players, right? In uh, tennis, I believe is the case, and kind of seeing like the transition, like the transition from tennis to pickleball and singles can happen quick. Like obviously, doubles is much more nuanced, but you can see you can see these guys come in and and get good singles results quickly. So. Um, yeah. I think that's just going to continue to happen. I think singles is going to be super deep. It's just going to make me want to play less and less. <laughs> it's like the whole draw is good now, yeah, which uh, didn't totally. used to be the case. Totally. I, t- I talked about those exact same things on the live stream. You know, it's like those those days of three and one, two and one, your first two matches are, yeah. are long, long gone. So you better be ready to grind the, the whole time. So, and Hunter, uh, he's kind of in that annoying group of, super like effortless power and effortless movement uh kind of with ignatowicz uh and thomas wilson those guys that are just super smooth and you know nothing nothing looks difficult and you know just like anyone else sometimes those guys plateau and only get a little bit better but if you're looking for someone who really has a sky high ceiling it's gonna what, what one of those guys with the easy court coverage and the easy power uh is often one of those players that does skyrocket yeah, agreed. Um, and yeah, shout out. So Hunter and Yates are, I think, New Braunfels, which where Thomas mm-hmm. Wilson lives. So I think they practice together some, but also close to San Marcos, Texas, which is where you and I have spent a lot of time with Christina and Walter Dorman. So for sure, John, for the sure. Johnsons have come through the just another graduate of the Dorman <laughs> Training Academy. We talked yeah, about for that sure. before. And I think so. that they're they're both the twins. Uh, not a hundred percent sure on this, but I keep in. Uh, being on the same MLB, MLP team, I keep in touch with Viv David quite a bit. And so I think that they've been doing some uh, some practice sessions at Dreamland. And I think Hunter and Vivian have a handful of tournaments as well. Uh, I don't know if that's the end of this year or beginning of next year. So, uh, you know, as he obviously continues to get better and possibly get some better tournament uh, partners for the tournaments as well, we'll see if he can uh, be a little more consistent uh, uh, making a run in the last, you know, four, five, six spots, uh, possibly meddling as well. Always thought this was like it's weird for twins, right? It's like, like is Yates like annoyed? Like why is he like why is he, <laughs> why is he meddling? Like, well, well you I know think what I mean. It, it's like it's yeah, <laughs> totally, no, totally. I think at the New Jersey Open, 
Hunter beat Yates. So he got pretty yes. deep in the like the fifth six uh fifth six spot match or something and ended up uh beating Yates like 1816 or something like that. Yeah. So no, no, totally. There there's that there's that probably slight annoying it's factor. Like I beat you in I beat you in practice every day. How are you yeah. getting these results? Yeah, for sure. It's kind of like, you know, like when when I I'm not playing near as much with Deckel, and then that first match, uh that first tournament, Deckel's playing with J dub and they lose, they don't they don't get they don't medal and they lose to Altoff and someone. No offense to Altoff, you're a very good player, Altoff. But you know, I'm just kind of have that smirk on my face, like ah, Deco. Uh, you can't win without me. You can't win without me. What the hell? So, <laughs> so uh, I think I think everyone can't help but have those thoughts occasionally. Yeah. But they they seem pretty tight, and I, I know they're pulling for each other. But I think that there was probably something there, uh, like what the hell, <laughs> man? You know, why 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 isn't that me? Why is yeah. that you, not me? <laughs> so yeah, so and then and then. Yeah, big props to Dylan on uh, Championship Sunday too. That's a that's a good result to get through the the winners bracket to get there. Um, especially, dude, it's wild. He like we see all these tennis guys coming in, high level tennis guys, and and Baby Dill has zero tennis background, um, which it's it, it's interesting, right? Because people are always like, "Oh, do you have a racket sports background?" And you know, Dylan's going to say no, but Dylan's also been playing pickleball since probably the same age that I started playing tennis. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, he he's been playing for ten or eleven years. I think. That's what something, I'm saying. So something it's like, like that, yeah. So it's like it doesn't matter if you play tennis. He's been playing pickleball for so long that yes, he does have a racket sports background. It's pickleball. Correct. <laughs> you know, so, you know what I mean? so I mean, for someone like me or you, you mid thirties, me forty, you know, having that racket sport background's huge. Him being twenty or twenty-one and having played for ten or eleven years, it's a completely it's, different situation. It's a non-issue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, completely different situation. Still, still cool though, because you're basically no, playing, basically playing tennis on a mini court in singles. You know, so uh, uh, very cool to see him competing with these guys that actually had you know ATP points and ATP rankings. So uh, very cool. Uh, brought brought that up on the on the stream as well. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. Yeah, you're, always... just, you're just doing a bunch of shameless plugs about your commentary on the stream. Oh yeah, no, that's two. That's that, that's only two. <laughs> well, I'm just. I mean, it's it's kind of a similar situation here. We're just talking nonsense. That's what I do on the stream. So we're yes. talking nonsense on the podcast. So there's a lot of overlap there, Robert. Let me roll with it. Let, let me live my life. Come on, man. Uh, so, uh, uh, but well, let's just do one more plug. So yeah. I, I think what I'm going to to start doing uh uh is is do the commentary on the apps for thursday and if i don't make championship sunday do it then and then play oh, that's play. gonna be far and few between yeah like 90 plus percent i'll be on yeah. championship sunday yeah. of course so Sorry, yes. uh so yeah so that's I'm, I'm looking forward to that so a little commentary on singles possibly some commentary on championship sunday and then playing on friday and saturday so that's the plan moving forward so that's if, kind of exciting if, if they're smart they'd put us in the booth together for the commentary oh yeah no absolutely for sure if they're smart if they're smart so okay what else we got we got uh um, well, yeah let's let's look here so that's the, okay so that's just, singles just one last note on and I, I didn't know about this until i saw it on nml's uh takeaways from toc mm -hmm. and just like we you know we brought on the weird precedent set of of line judges being called on court before the match just for you know kind of a standalone match um for a ppa player so it said that and i hadn't heard about this at all but it said that the the singles final men's singles final on championship saturday was supposed to start at 10 a.m oh. but and it was announced over the loudspeaker several times and then I think last minute it was it was adjusted to be 1045 because of video production issues. 
but they didn't see Ben arriving. Well, people saw Ben arriving like at 1020 or 1030 with flip-flops on before warming up. And it's, <laughs> it's assumed, it's assumed that he was just late and the PPA adjusted the start time based on his not being there yet, which, you know, if you reverse that situation and let's call it baby Dill isn't there at 10 and he's like, you know, rolling up at 1020, 1030, like that match is already over. Right. It's like, there's, that's yeah. just going to be a, that's just going to be a default. Yeah, no, I I have no idea. I haven't uh, I hadn't heard anything about this till you till you mentioned it. Uh, but yes, it's hard given given some previous stuff and what I know of of things. It would be hard to think that it would be the same for someone else. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's again, that's a it's very a, interesting situation. Very interesting situation. Uh, and I could totally see it uh, having, you know, them, them making that adjustment uh, for for their top player. Yeah. So, again, gray areas that probably shouldn't exist that we just need, you know. The tours are bigger than any one person. Like, they should just have their – they should have the regulations, their rules, stand by them. If players can abide by them, they do. If they don't, all rules should apply to everybody. Oh no, definitely. You, 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 I mean, you have to have that. I mean, you, you, you have you to. Ha- yeah, I mean, you, you, you have to have that in a in a rec situation, like an amateur situation. And, and totally. when you're adding adding in money, pro players, people, you know, committing to being full time at this, their gray area is just completely unacceptable. People will take advantage, and it will cause problems. It's just a fact. Yep. Uh, but yes, no, that, that is a very interesting, uh, little tidbit there. No idea the exact details about that. I'm sure, I'm sure someone will, t- someone else will talk about it. We'll, yeah, we'll hear, hit what, us we'll up hear what they have to say. Yeah. Right. Comment sure. on what happened. Okay. So here we, we, next we have, we have mixed, uh, we have Anna Lee and Ben gold, Callie, AJ silver, Jesse and Jay delivers bronze. Uh, I believe that, that Anna Lee did not lose a game. In her triple crown victory, which is pretty crazy uh, to think that it's ludicrous. Yeah, yeah, it's ludicrous. Especially he even add in the three out of five in the uh, uh, for the championship Saturday, and she did not lose a game. So crazy, crazy stuff from Anna Lee. She's she's just obviously uh, just the best. She's obviously best. I don't know uh, how else to say it uh, right now. So uh, let's see if there's anything else exciting. That's obviously pretty chalky. Uh, yeah. For the medal for the medalists with uh, you know Callie and AJ sneaking into that that championship Saturday, good result and for them. A great result for them. Kind of that you know uh, maybe maybe lower floor, higher ceiling than that, that bronze team of Jesse Irvin and Jay yeah. Jay delivers who uh, you know just seem to always be there, but maybe maybe might lack a little firepower that Callie and AJ can bring. So. Yeah. Uh, Let's see anything else interesting. We had the Newmans losing in the quarters to Smith and Kohler, so I wouldn't say that that is interesting at all. But uh, it does kind of seem that overall, Riley's had, you know, a little bit more success maybe with Catherine than Lindsay, even though yeah. per, on a per tournament basis, uh, anyway. I think it's also just a tough place for them to for them to play with elevation with the hard dura. Um, a little tougher conditions like that. I think that's going to favor, you know, people with firepower as we saw in the men's final. Right. So for sure. No, that's totally true. Uh, you know, they're kind of, their offense is 
you know, forcing you to go for, you know, more than you want on the 37th offensive shot that you have after, <laughs> after they've dug out 36 of them. Yeah. So, uh, uh, when, when you can kind of, uh, that, that hard ball, that altitude, you're absolutely right, Rob, you can, you can light people up more. You can, you can attack body, pretzel them up, jam them up. Uh, the hand speed is just, you just have less time in those conditions. And I think that yeah. definitely is not optimal for the, for the Newmans. No. Let's see anything else here of note. Not pretty, pretty chalky for the most part. Uh, Women's doubles. Uh, I didn't, I didn't know this until I actually saw, like, I saw it somewhere. But Viv, Vivian David, Susanna Barr, bronze. With, uh, do you have that pulled up? That draw? I, I, I do. I just pulled it up. I'm clicking to show all charts right now, Robert. Oh, beautiful. Oh. <laughs> Speaking oh, of yeah. that, like, there has oh, to yeah. be, there has to be a better way to look for for random people to look up results of pickleball tournaments rather than going to pickleballtournaments.com <laughs> and navigating yeah. the maze yeah. of nonsense through there yeah no no crap so i mean i'm a, I'm a tech idiot as it is uh but i mean man it, they, they, they don't make it easy no so okay yeah so the, we we have uh yes vivian and Susanna bar who came in as the seventh seed and uh just so you know i have no idea why but not only is Susanna Barr the dark horse, she is the net lord as well. So uh, uh, whatever. So they beat <laughs> uh, Melinda Wilkins and Etta Wright, two, uh, two locals on the Utah scene, two and six. They lost to the Waters in their second round match and then kind of went on a run back through the through the back draw with a couple really big wins. So let me take a look at that. So we have them beating Tereshenko and Gretsch Kina, uh, 15-8. We have a, David... It's a good win. As no, totally, no, yeah. to totally, absolutely. Uh, then very next round, we have them taking out uh, Jesse Irvin and Anna Bright, fifteen seven, fantastic wow. win. And then, oh right, and then beating uh, uh, Catherine and Leia, uh, seven and six in the bronze medal match. So that is three very, very solid wins from David, and uh, not even and super close. Totally not. Yeah. None of that is tight. 15, eight, 15, seven, and then uh seven and six in the bronze match. So uh, well played by them. I think uh, they're, sure. they're, they're, and this is why like you can't just really look at two individual players in terms of, in terms of their results to see like how a partnership will do. Like you have Vivian, who's like, she wants to live on the right side. She doesn't ever want to play the left side. And Susanna loves the left side. So like when you kind of put two people together like that, that are super comfortable on their respective sides, like you can have really, really good results that you like to us looking seven seed surprising results. Right. But like when you put them on sides where they're super comfortable and really confident, it makes all the difference. No, I know. Totally. And I think we'll see more and more of this as uh, you know, we've, uh, we've talked about it before designated roles, uh, people getting so good at their craft that it's going to be hard to be both. So if you have, yep. you have, do you have two left guys? You might, you might need a, I mean, there might be a situation where there's two, two left studs and one might be better off playing with Johnny Goldberg or somebody like that. Uh, 100%. That is a, that's a total right side supporting player. So well, let's, uh, shout, let's, that's shout, a, shout out to Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> that's a perfect segue into the, into the men's final, which, you know, there's been a lot of buzz around in terms of, um, in terms of style of play, really, but we we talked about it. It's, it's Utah, it's the Dura, it's elevation, it's fast conditions. Um, and it was probably the most offensive and aggressive 
pickleball that we've seen in a in a final or really in 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 any tournament i would say like it was very very aggressive pickleball there weren't long rallies it was pull the trigger early and often and for newman and Wright, it worked no absolutely and i think that uh, i think it was cool to see the con- the conditions played a factor but uh i mean we all know that the 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 John Zai are very algorithm structured like their patterns and their situations yep. and they Ben likes to be a bully uh yep. so he if they're <laughs> not definitely not saying that he has slow hands but if there is one possible thing that maybe on that scale of one to ten isn't a eight nine or a ten it could possibly be some uh uh, uh some susceptibility to being attacked. And and when, when you put it back on him and don't let him move around and, and start the fire and you kind of beat him to it, uh, I think that that is, you know, obviously not a situation that's going to guarantee you a victory by any means, but it could be a, a good option to uh, to kind of throw him and, and, and Colin out of the rhythm. So I think that's exactly what we saw with Riley yep. and Matt. And uh, the, the conditions were great. Uh, the, they played great. And I think it's another solid job of of sticking to a game plan they obviously wanted to fire away uh and they they did lose that first game and there was some thunderous counters from colin and ben throughout uh that first game but they stuck with the game plan they decided they were going to continue to be aggressive they weren't going to just go to a slow game after it didn't work game one and it was 11 1 12 10 11 6 and games two three and four so fantastic job by them and i, I love to see it I think that's that's what you just mentioned. It's probably the most impressive thing to me is that after that first game, they didn't get discouraged and they stuck with the game plan because it's easy after that first game, like to to throw up, you know, to to press the emergency button and try to like adjust right there. Like you see that a lot in pickleball at the pro level, especially you like you say, okay, this is our strategy. You do it a couple times, it doesn't work, then you're like, okay, we got to change the strategy. It's like the the sample set of what you just did is so small that you have to keep going. You have to like, if this is a strategy, you can't do it once or twice and it not work and then bail on the strategy. You got to stick with it the whole time, even though it's hard, it's frustrating and you have to stay disciplined to do it, but you can't, you can't get discouraged. And that was impressive to me that, that Matt and Riley stuck with the game plan, even though they got lit up the first game and it paid off. Oh, no, definitely. Uh, uh, absolute, very fun to watch, very entertaining. Uh, lots of hands battles and there was there was some chippiness and some jawing going on too and I think we've yeah. we've got we've gotten pretty used to that uh with Matt Wright but Riley Newman was very much uh the the biggest instigator on court from what I saw saw a couple yeah. uh I, I'm not sure what game it was but went to touch paddles and uh, Riley's lips were moving the whole time. I like so, yeah. so I, <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what he was saying, of course, but uh, there was there, there was some some tension and there was some you know some palpable uh, you know just energy and crap talking going on. And so you know maybe maybe uh, Matt and Riley are meant for each other because they both but they both like to do that. That's both part of their games, and uh, it was definitely an interesting dynamic out there. Uh, uh, and I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I didn't see it, but I like apparently in the first game, Ben had a finger wag, and that kind of kicked off the, that kind of kicked off the chippiness, but got him a got him a pissed off uh, Matt and Riley, which sure you know there's not too many guys that actually play better when they're like pissed. Those two guys 
yeah, you're right. Like maybe they are meant for each other because they step up their games when they, uh, when they start chirping and, and getting, sure. getting loud and angry and like they played, they played really well. And I think just in terms of like actual tactical strategy, what was interesting to see, and this is, it's, it's no secret, right? Like, um, Ben Ben sits pretty heavy forehand. His grips leaning to Eastern pretty heavily too, meaning it's more of a forehand grip rather than like a continental, which is um, a little bit more neutral to forehand and backhand. It it that's why you can see him just crush forehands on counter sometimes, mm-hmm. um, which is why it's no secret that you want to attack him on his left hip or even even left shoulder, uh, because he's not going to be able to get on top of that encounter. He's just going to block it. And we saw you know we saw Matt. Right, who was head up, who was head on with Ben, really do a good job mixing it up off the bounce. So he would go left hip, and then he would go body, and then he would go he would go middle of the court. Just kept him guessing, and then you know Riley would pinch hard middle with the pancake, and if unless Ben hits a perfect hits a perfect reset or perfect counter, if he floats a little bit, Riley's pancakes right there in the middle, and like that's it's that's a dangerous combo and pickle it might be the most dangerous combo in pickleball of matt forehand off the bounce with riley just sitting pancake in the middle it's it's tough to it's tough to manage yeah no i think i think it's probably the best shot in pickleball right now is a uh, single shot is riley's riley's pancake so uh, you're exactly right so you you can see them kind of getting more comfortable with uh with matt uh, exactly right doing the speed it's the same thing with when tyson and riley played together it's like their whole strategy is to get uh, an exchange started and then have Riley just move to the center of the court and clean up with the pancake. So that, that was the yep. pattern often when Deckel and I played them is like Tyson would often speed up at me cross court, just knowing that my backhand counter is going to go in the vicinity of Riley. And that yep. is a good situation for them. So uh, to, to, to see, I think obviously Tyson is better than Matt at some aspects of the game, but the initiations and the speed ups and the hand speed, I do not believe he is as, no. as good at those, at those specific things. So that, that combination with Riley, if they can continue to refine that and continue to, to work on that, and Matt can know exactly where he needs to be on the second, third, fourth shot after he speeds up and, and Riley can st- start moving to the middle to clean up. That's going to be, that's going to be a tough, tough nut to crack right there for sure. A hundred percent. And because, I mean, we're looking at two traditionally left-sided players, right? Like Matt's not, Matt's not necessarily, like he's played a lot on the right because he played with Ben and he's playing now with Riley, but let's be honest, Matt's a, Matt's a left-side player. He, he likes the left side more, but he's getting very, very comfortable on the right and getting really good at it. And he's his his forehand speed up off the bounce is is really good because he disguises it really well. It looks like it's going to be a dink. And then I think the the most impressive part is not necessarily the the initial speed up, but he's so on that second and third ball. His hand speed's so quick. And then, you know, if he's not on it, Riley's right there. It's yeah, you're right. If they if they continue to refine kind of their strategy and their game plan, they're like we're talking like what Matt's 44 45 for I believe and he's still has yeah. and I would say I would say his hand speed straight up with Ben was was better than Ben you know who's half his age so well, that's it, it's uh, also just a really cool aspect of pickleball of sure. being able to have a 45 year old have faster hands than you know the 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 person half your age right in front of you yeah no I I've always said that you know maybe he's not the most but I think that Matt is one of the most skilled, if not more skilled than Ben, uh, in terms of just a 
feel manipulating the ball hand speed now ben is significantly more athletic than him he scrambles better yeah. he moves better you know all, all that stuff so i think total package obviously ben is the better player but matt is extremely skilled and some of i think when he first was playing ben with ben on the right it, it was a little bit of a struggle not because he didn't have the skill set to do it but him committing to that role and he's done a much yeah. better job at the end of his partnership with Ben and now his partnership with Riley committing to the right side role. Oh, uh, and just you, you said it, the most impressive thing is not the forehand speed up. It's him committing and being ready with his backhand on the next ball. And he's not even worried about hitting a forehand. He's speeding up, stepping to his right. Sitting and on. then the, the backhand is just so on point and he yeah. hits it so clean and crisp and everything to the right side of his body when he takes that step to the right is out and everything to the left side of his body is Riley and similar to what me and Deckel uh, would do as well. Uh, so, and one thing, it's, one it's thing that, stuff. yeah, one thing of note that many people mentioned, they're like, all of Matt's speed ups are going out. Why don't they just let him go? And I'm like, you'd be surprised, man. Like most of the, I think most of his speed ups are going in. Mm-hmm. like like that's that's the that's the most impressive part i mean some yeah he's going right he's going right at your body he's just pulling the trigger at your chest sure but the most impressive part of the of that initial speed up is he's getting good pace on it and most of them are landing in uh no definitely so yeah it, it, it'll be interesting to see uh i think the 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 john's eye had a, a busy summer and maybe had a couple tournaments they didn't play so if there could possibly be you know a string of six or seven tournaments where those the, those uh, two teams play each other four or five times it'll be real yeah. interesting to see the adjustments both teams make and uh yeah all, I think, all that all that good stuff moving forward for sure i think vegas the vegas line in a three out of five will have uh matt and riley as the favorites yeah i think so i think it's very slight right now but after that performance uh yeah we'll also see if maybe there's 90 degrees uh the next tournament at sea level we'll see if that yeah they continue they continue to go with that strategy or it's much more difficult for them to to execute uh than you know at with a harder ball at the altitude so i think that'll be very interesting uh to see yeah i think last note on this is um on this match is is unpredictability in terms of not getting into kind of like you said, like Ben wants to control the dink rallies. He wants to be the bully and push and like really move the ball around on dinks and wait for that, you know, that ball that's just a little high that he could, that he can flick. Um, You didn't see many, like you don't see Ben or Colin attack off the bounce much. You'll see Mm -hmm. Colin do it sometimes where he's just just kind of, but you see it, right? Like he's, it's like a big wind up and he does it. And it's it's never usually a dink. It's usually a speed up, you know? But I think that's also differentiator. Um, If you can attack off a neutral dink off the bounce, which, you know, Matt did it at will on the forehand. Riley owned CJ, honestly, head on. Mm -hmm. Like his his Mm -hmm. speed ups off the bounce to CJ. I've never seen CJ look so discombobulated. Like he... He was tangled up, like he he was not comfortable, and he he, he seemed very late on his slide. CJ, yeah. he was getting kind of this area of his right side, and normally he he slides much quicker, and he's on that, and he doesn't get beat on the right side of his body, but he was. And I match. just I, I think Riley's actually got. There's not too many guys on that play that left side that have a really good down the line 
speed up. And Riley was able to kind of thread the needle to get to the right of CJ a couple times, which probably just threw CJ off a bit in terms of like covering middle and, um, you know, covering line. But yeah, so I, you know, that's also differentiated though, being able to attack off the bounce versus Ben and Colin, who just didn't do it very often. Yeah, they, they like structure. It's a fact. I mean, so they, like, they also, like structure. Wild amount of lobs. Like mm-hmm. you, you always get a lot of lobs of Matt off the kind of that dink roll out of the air mm-hmm. um, to float over. But like we also saw like a weird, we saw a weird pattern of when Matt and Riley were scrambling, they'd be both back and just throwing up sky high lobs into the into the wind, and like Ben <laughs> really struggled with putting anything away. Right. Uh, no. Uh, yes. That that's the funniest thing. I mean, we saw a few offensive lobs as well, but most of it was just backpedaling and throwing it up from that. Mm-hmm. And somehow seven shots later, getting back to neutral or getting back to the kitchen. And we saw it very frequently. So yeah. uh, I, I like lobbing them. It's just another way to create some confusion. Uh, Colin doesn't like being lobbed. Uh, sometimes when Colin doesn't cover, Ben gets annoyed and then you cause a little, <laughs> yep. a little d- dissension between the brothers. And that's always a good thing because that can happen with them for sure. So just, it's just another way to, stop them from being structured in the patterns that they want to be in. That could be attacking off the bounce early. It could be lobbing. It could be whatever. And you have to do it because when they're in control of the patterns and everything's structured, they're, you know, they go from 50, 50 with, with Matt and Riley to, to, you know, probably three to one favorites uh, when, when, when there's not that, that, that confusion created. hundred percent. Uh, okay. All right. No, that's good. Uh, uh, good. We'll, we'll, we'll scratch the TOC tournament for there. I think that was a good recap. And I was actually, Robert, uh, involved in a trade for Major League Pickleball. And that trade is I was a team member of the Mad Drops. That was myself, Corinne Carr, Julian Arnold, and Vivian David. And the team Jackrabbits was AJ Kohler, Mary and Maggie Brasha and Wes Gabrielson. So the trade that happened was AJ Kohler and Mary Brasha getting traded to the Mad Drops for myself and Vivian David. So uh can you can you talk about how this kind of unfolded? Like who let you know? Um like can you can you run us through kind of the timeline of like and how I, you got notified and all that stuff? I got notified that there was a, I got notified that I was traded. <laughs> by, by, by who? So this was the, I believe it was the, uh, it was Zubin, which is the team owner of the Mad Drops. So he called me and said, hey, I just wanted to let you know uh, you've been traded. Thanks for everything, da, 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 that. And then I was on the phone with uh, new, Ober, uh, new owner, Richie, uh, for the Jackrabbits and so I didn't really have any say in it or any yeah. knowledge of it or anything. And until that uh, phone call with Zubin, until that phone call with Zubin, right? So, yeah. So that that's interesting. Uh, that's that's an interesting part of MLP so far. Is you know some I think we might have talked about this first episode how some some owners are very connected with their players and letting them be very uh, making a lot of the decisions uh, yeah. regarding the team, and some of them are kind of uh not as kind of making their their own choices and kind of pulling triggers on some stuff without as much help so uh 
yeah. don't know exactly who falls into each category, but that's kind of how it seems with some of the moves that have been made so far. And I know Richie, like Richie's one of the more involved team owners. Richie, Richie's pretty intimate in what's going on in Pro Pickleball. He knows players very well and like follows results quite closely. Mm-hmm. I would say probably the probably the most connected team owner to Pro Pickleball in the current landscape of what's happened. Right, so, and and he also uh, he took some flack for his previous trade uh, where he traded a uh, Jackie Kawamoto for yeah. uh, to, to get Maggie Brasha. Yeah, uh, Mary Brasha was already on the team, so to get Maggie Brasha. So uh, yeah, so he took a little flack there because I think that no, no, uh, not talking bad about the Brashas at all, but Kawamoto is pretty legit. So I don't oh, yeah. think that I don't think that Jackie probably played her absolute best in that first MLP, but you obviously saw last MLP that, you know, she's, she's a baller. She doesn't miss much. Uh, yep. Great player. So, uh, so yeah, so he's, he's going for it. Last of three events for this year's MLP before there'll be a new draft for, uh, I think they're looking at going for six events for next year. So, uh, so yeah, so, so Richie, Richie pulled the trigger again. Uh, maybe, maybe wasn't thrilled with his last move. So, so he went for it again and it's kind of a standard, uh, two good very good solid players for one uh higher end player so you see this a lot in fantasy football and and things like that where uh vivian and myself uh being kind of that solid middle of the pack vivian much higher than me uh and women's than men's but aj kohler kind of has that upside to be one of uh the top two or three three men in the event uh so uh, I think it makes it definitely makes some sense uh, for both teams, but you know AJ's. I mean AJ's definitely a stud, and he, uh, you know, if if you matched him up with me, I would say he's. We're probably pretty even in singles, but he definitely has the edge in both both doubles, uh, 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 mixed and gender. So uh, yeah, AJ's a stud for sure. I think, and this is. This is an interesting thing in MLP is so we have Richie that owns or is part owner in Jack Rabbits, but also owner of BLQK, which is a little strange for uh, for pro sports, right? You usually aren't able to own two different teams in the same league. And I think I think that should be the case with MLP, even though there's not necessarily um financial incentive for the owners like if you're if blqk wins the championship i don't think these owners are getting any kind of bonus or more equity or more anything but at the same time like there's still that's still a major conflict of interest having having ownership in two teams right like you can and i'm not saying richie is because i don't think he is and i don't think he would um but you can manipulate stuff having two teams right you can you can and he's one of the more active owners in terms of trades and looking at different options and and stuff like that so um i'm not a big fan of being able to own more than one team i think it just creates unnecessary issues and again like i know mlps like they said they're in hyper growth mode they're trying to figure things out they're trying to push this thing forward push the sport forward um but in my opinion shouldn't be allowed and yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it changes in the future. No, I think I agree with you, Robert. Uh, and also, I know that there has been a a few players that have possibly been just kind of advisors to some of the team owners, and I think yeah. that that's a little delicate as well. Uh, I don't. In I what don't know. Sense? 
I, I don't know all the specifics. This was kind of uh, just kind of uh, some of the team owners asking players that are on other teams for advice about a draft or, or whatever the case may be. So just the fact that one player could be on a team and then have another owner asking that player uh, about how, to, how is this player? Uh, you played with them three tournaments ago. What do you think yeah. about them? That, that kind of stuff. Uh, I, yeah. I definitely think it could be a little bit cleaner, just uh, like you think uh, having that, that little overlap of uh, being a team owner uh, could also, you know, possibly some issues could arise from that. So uh, yeah, interesting for sure. Gray areas. That, gray areas. They're tough. They're tough. No gray areas. Let's gray remove area. them all. Gray areas and people. People, people, are t- people are tough enough as it is, but if you throw in a gray area combined with the person, that makes it, that makes them really tough. So uh, people are going to go for it. And I think there's going to be, you know, this, like you said, this is the last, it's the last MLP event this year, going to be in Columbus, Ohio, October 14th to 16th um, at an indoor venue. I've never been to Columbus, not necessarily pumped to go to Ohio, but Hey, I'm doing it. <laughs> um, but I think with this being the last event of the year and kind of the last event with all the players on their respective teams, we're going to see a few more, I would say we're going to see some more activity, a flurry of activity with trades, with, um, with drops, the supplemental draft coming up. We've had some players get some really, really solid results, um, you know, since the last supplemental draft happened where players could be added. So I would expect some new players like, like Tardio came in for me and crushed. Like I'd be shocked if he didn't get picked up by somebody. Yeah, Um, no, 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 definitely. I I totally agree with you. And I think that there's uh, that we talked about the first pod, that small sample size and people really making decisions and pulling triggers with, you know, not a ton of information. And I think when that happens, we'll see more, more activity basically. So I know, uh, I mean, I, I haven't been on court. I mean, I don't think I'm going to get dropped, but I mean, I haven't played the previous two and, you know, so, uh, who knows what's going to happen there? Uh, I know. So you that think you think the team owner maybe looks at you as a little risky in terms of they might have to pick up an alternate based on like you just being a question mark based on your availability. Uh, yeah, that and just I mean I, I I feel like I'm very much in the you know for this f- format in the top 24 men, but you know I haven't been on court. There's a lot of up and comers, uh, very talented young players. Maybe uh, I, I could even get dropped, even though I was involved in that trade or whatever. So uh, yeah. I know Corinne was a little bit worried about it. I, I know I talked to Joey. Joey was not happy with how he played in that small sample at the Newport tournament. So there's there's just going to be a lot of stuff going on. And that's, you know, not to mention probably four or five other players that, you know, maybe didn't play their best game. You combine that with a Tardio or a Hunter Johnson or somebody, you know, that has obviously is young and has upside. Uh, it's enticing. I mean, you <laughs> you see it on the NML vlog all the time or blog. Uh, Corinne and I talk about it all the time. It's like we are established pro players who are not particularly sexy in our games, but just kind of get solid, resu- but just rock solid and kind of get results. And the bottom line is we are not as sexy as Lena or Tardio or, or somebody with somebody that has that upside, but not That's a great point, but that has that upside, but doesn't get consistent results at all. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with, you know, partner and partners that you get, but 
upside uh, upside and being solid is is always a little bit of a of a back and forth and, and uh, a tough thing to know what's better so yeah and and we saw like i think the ranchers left a pretty interesting blueprint of you know i i also think it's it, it that trade was interesting in terms of you know they've got two number one women right which mm-hmm. is a huge which is a huge deal and they have you know Ignatowicz, which which came in and didn't didn't play well in men's right um i think for we talk about that all the time for guys coming from tennis you know singles it goes singles mixed men's is the toughest to crack or even sure. women's right gender sure. uh, just because it's more nuanced and um so but didn't didn't matter right like having those two number one women over overrode them not winning many men's and then um james played well and mixed so it it it, it worked out you know klitsch mm-hmm. klitsch looks like a genius no definitely it, it it did it did work out and there they had a nice they had a nice balance of solid and upside and when you have the upside of Anna, James, and DJ, and that was the missing piece was the rock. And Kawamoto's are rocks. That's what they are. So, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it's a very nice team construction. And, you know, that's, I think that's a, that's a factor as well. I think that the, uh, when when you, here we go again with poker, but when you're playing a poker tournament that has very even payouts, you play a more solid close to the vest regular strategy if you play a poker tournament that has super top heavy payouts or possibly a winner take all situation you have to adjust your play to be more risky so even though some of the format that players are like oh you want that solid you don't want to make errors we're playing rally scoring the payouts are so top heavy with it being like maybe six or seven thousand for second and 25k for first that you have you don't want all rocks. You need some nah. upside. You, you you need someone to get hot in a in a specific day or a specific yeah. specific match. So I think it's very. Uh, there's a lot of ways to construct a team, and I think, you know, having some upside uh, balanced with a couple rocks is probably the way to go. Yep, and I think, I think teams would be silly not to make like take some risks, right? If you've been if you've consistently consistently missed the uh, the bracket play. Mm-hmm. getting out of group stage do some silly stuff like like take some risks take some chances it's the last event of the year right so why sure. why not um and yeah for people that don't know so teams will like this is the last event for the teams uh that players are on because there will be an additional four teams i believe next year i don't know if that don't don't that's not final or confirmed or anything like that uh but to my knowledge we're going to go from 12 teams to 16 teams mm-hmm. and that's going to require a completely new draft. So it'll be a complete redraft of players. And uh, so this will be kind of the last, the last um, match for everybody that's on their respective team. Uh, yeah, definitely. So it's, it'll, it'll be real interesting. And I think you're right. I mean, take, take a shot, you know, take a shot. So uh, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll just have to see. Cause I, I think there's, there'll, there'll be some fireworks in the next, in the next week or two, a couple people getting dropped, a couple pickups, uh no idea how it's going to play out but it, it'll be interesting yeah and i think even this last one it was interesting to have a couple really really good players not not who i would consider definitely top 24 men in the in the pool like edin like edin's a good edin's a good player i mean obviously much better at men's than than mixed but mm-hmm. he's also a very good singles player uh, uh yes yes so, so that I, was 
that was that, surprising that, to me. Yeah, that that was the issue. And I I think the first MLP I commentated a couple of his matches, and that was yeah, that was that was really the issue. It's just so different from how he plays his standard men style uh, to being the right side rock for Andre, and then to switch over to that take a lot of court uh, yeah. situation was uh, uh, he 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 probably didn't play his best, but I mean. There's a lot of talent in there, and like you said, he is he is a good singles player, which is a factor. So, uh, yep. uh, also, I, I wanted to say a couple of things about the so that that makes the Mad Drops have Mary Brasha, Corinne, Julian Arnold, and AJ. So th- this will be an interesting situation that we talked about uh, earlier. Is that's two left side men. Now they're both mm. very they're both very good and, and yeah. you know they they very well might get it figured out and steamroll a lot of the men's teams in the next MLP but neither one is particularly comfortable on the right side so they both like to play left and so we'll we'll see if that's a factor or just their talent blows through that factor and 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 they're a great team so uh like you mentioned with the the ranchers uh really high level women very good men too, but really high level women. And the, the drops are now kind of the opposite with uh, yeah. two, two solid girls, but two very high end men. So we'll yeah. kind of see how that plays out. Uh, if they can, uh, you know, sneak out a few women's doubles with Corinne and, uh, and Mary, uh, I think that their, their men's doubles and their mix is going to be very solid. So I think that that could be, that could be a good team as well. So we'll see. I think in terms of constructing a majorly pickable team, I think, I would lean more towards the rancher style of having of having two really kind of more top heavy women mm-hmm. um, because I think that l- I think when you look at mix typically it's usually mixed results are usually dependent on the level of the woman more so than the guy they're mm-hmm. seeing more balls um, so I think in terms of team construction. I think having two top women is probably more beneficial than having two top men. No, I, I right? totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. So not only from a like depth of talent perspective, but just exactly like you said, they, they play more of a role in the mixed. So, uh, uh, yeah, so they're just, they're just more valuable. They're just more valuable than, than a man. And it, you know, it's not like a crazy huge difference, but it's a difference in, in this format, you better you better take all the edges you can get. Yeah, I guess I guess it'll be interesting to see. Um, so AJ will play with Mary, I'm guessing again, and then Julian will play with who's the other woman? Prof. Prof. Okay. Um, so you have uh, so that's the that's the sacrifice they're making, right? They're gonna be they're gonna be good at mix. You have two good men's mix players that are both left side players. So they're like, okay, let's hope we can figure out men's and figure out somebody on the right. And which I'm guessing is going to be Julian on the right. Um, and then they both move so well laterally um, and, and mix that they can cover a lot of court. So, I mean, I think they're going to bank on the guy taking over and mix, but that's, that's tough to do. Yeah, no, it's, you're absolutely right. So uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be very interesting. Uh, and I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think either one, uh, I think I could see the mix going either way for them. Uh 
I don't. Does Mary normally play the right? I think she plays the right, and Maggie plays the left when they play women's. So. Yeah, I just know AJ's played a ton with Mary, so I would imagine they'd stay together. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it's yeah, it's it's. I I like the. I mean, it's a cool format, you know. It's just super fun. Sh- yeah, yeah, sh- shaking it up. How's this gonna work? How's that gonna work? Uh, and it gives us something to talk about, so that's good. And that's the thing we could analyze. I mean, this is this is one trade, right? Imagine if there yeah, were right. four or five, right? Like this. It's 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 super fun, and this is why. Like I, I think you know, talking earlier in this episode about emulating the tennis tours versus creating our own unique pro pro format. I would love to see Major League Pickleball full time because just think about all these storylines and cool trades and stuff that 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 are happening. Like it's unlimited amounts of content and talking points, and that's why you see like all these talking heads on you know ESPN talking endlessly about these leagues because there's so yes. much content, so many different things to talk about. Yeah, totally. And I, I I like it too that it's still like if you just did a MLP format for tennis, like there there's not many people that are going to fall through the cracks. Mean, meaning that you can just find a stud still in pickleball, like tennis. You're, you're not just going to pick up someone that can be like a real, real game changer because yeah. it's just so tight. But now, like if you just who, who knows who, who, whoever it might be, Hunter Johnson, maybe whatever, uh, Stefan or that has or, high upside or, or that cardio has a, that yeah. all of a sudden is in that three or four months from when the draft happened to when the tournament is could literally be a top five player of the 24, you know, yeah. and that yeah. can still happen. And that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Super, yeah. It's really cool. Who, who have we seen that with? Uh, so let's say I, I would say that probably uh, Lena. Yeah. What uh, Lena was drafted very low and she had a big first MLP. I think she probably played not quite as good in the second one, but still well, very good. She went undefeated first time around. So it's hard to, yeah. Hard well, to there you go. Second time. Yes. Yes. Th- there you go. I mean, you saw, let's see, uh, Pablo Tellez stepped in beautifully mm-hmm. uh, for, for the fives as well. And I know I'm, I'm overlooking a, a few of them. I mean, James Ignatowicz, you know, who yep. was when, when that draft happened, he was on no one's radar. Uh, he, and he shouldn't have been. And, yeah. you know, sure enough, a few months later, he's a top two or three singles player and, you know, probably a top, you know, 10 or 12 mixed player. Uh, yeah. Boom. And that's off the waiver wire. You know, that's off the waiver wire. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's happened plenty and it's going to happen more. And it's uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. And it'll be interesting to see, uh, especially I don't know when the draft's going to happen for next year. But, you know, let's say let's say it happens in December or something and there's a there's a couple month gap of when guys are training in the winter like it's going to keep happening because pickleball is so young and so new but that's what makes it so exciting yeah i mean some guy's going to go in that three months go from number 40 to number 10 yep and you know be a big factor in the uh, uh yeah in the whatever and i i, I actually want to see kind of if if it's uh possible that uh yeah that some of the uh, I know Stratman was PPA contracted. I know you were PPA contracted. I, I don't know if any of the other PPA people uh, could possibly, who knows, drop midseason or something like that and possibly yeah. be available as well uh, to, to the MLP format. So well, there's there's lots of ways to get kind of people that can really make a big difference in, in the mix. That'll be interesting to see. But also on the inverse of that, it'll be interesting to see if PPA pulls any pulls any players and locks sure. them in. 
You know? No, I think so. I think that could be very reasonable. They could make a really nice offer to someone that they're targeting that has made a nice name for them on the APP MLP side of it and could be a factor. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a real, that's a real concern if I'm, if I'm MLP APP, because you want like APP was so interesting this year because you had all these new faces, you had all this new talent and you don't want to be the feeder tour. You don't want to be the feeder organization. You don't want to be the feeder league. You want to be the league. And I think that's still up for grabs. So yeah, if you don't lock down your top talent, somehow make it enticing enough to where they don't want to take that PPA deal. Like I think you have to do something, right? You have to do something, right? You have to yeah. do something. So, so uh, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. And uh, yeah, I, I think obviously you can't deny that the top couple in both genders uh, definitely favors the PPA. But if you did a, a, a 16 player each gender, like ML, how MLP is right now, yeah. I think it would be closer than some people think if you have to make the teams even kind of, kind of yeah. thing, you know? Yep. So yep. Uh, snake, dra- snake draft ma- style. Yeah. Snake draft out. Maybe the other, the APP could pick the PPA teams and vice versa or wh- whatever. I'm just yeah. you know, throw, throwing crap out there, but as it gets a little bit deeper, it's a lot closer. Uh, I think, you know, the, the top couple uh, is definitely uh PPA side, but, there's a lot of talent on the APP tour, a lot of, a lot of people coming in. So it's, it's, uh, I think it's both, both possible, like you said, for each tour to, to, to be the number one. Yeah. I think if we're looking at, at beginning of year to, to now, the gap's gotten much smaller between PPA and APP and MLP. But, no, for sure. I, I, I totally agree. Uh, especially, especially with the depth. Yep. That's all I got today, my man. No, I think that I think that was solid. Uh, looks like we went we went about an hour twenty, and that's you know that's gonna that's my activity for the next forty eight hours. So I'm just chilling. Yeah, you got you need to relax now. Yeah, <laughs> headphones off, take a nap. Have to, have to. All right, for sure. Okay, buddy. Until next time, uh, let's yeah, let's try to maybe uh, uh, get together next week sometime. I'm sure we'll have something good to talk about. Yeah, let's get your mic fixed. Let's get these technical yeah. difficulties worked out. Oh, sorry, not you, Prof. Get Prof on. Prof, this. yeah, she's got to get on that. I'm a little disappointed in her, but we'll we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get through it. We'll get through. We it. will. I mean, you you guys are a power couple. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. All right. Later, guys. Because you know why? Why? Because it feels right. It feels right. Legendary. Yeah.